I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I am your co-host, Brandon Day. With me, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going? Brandon, I'm great. I did the impossible today. I know. Uh, I built a piece of Ikea furniture by myself. In only hours, it seemed like. Last, I think it only took me an hour to build a desk and a chair. I was expecting, you know swearing and frustration and like a beautiful metaphor all on the t for us for the tigers rebuild but no you went and no, just sorry. did it right <laughs> uh, yeah I, I did the, the theo method as opposed to the avila method so. <laughs> where you start putting it together and then realize like oh i don't have the right pieces <laughs> yeah and i didn't start planning to build the desk five years ago and then succeeded in doing it this year um i decided this afternoon i was going to buy myself a desk so that i could you know, sit like a human being while I edit my YouTube videos. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I film most of them out in my office in the country, but um, I edit most of them in the city. Um, so I needed something a little bit better. So, but yeah, no, I managed to build the desk in record time. Beautiful. So you, didn't, you didn't get any swearing. Um, only the dogs and cats got to see that. <laughs> I will give Ikea this. Like, once you do get it put together, their stuff is solid. It's not like Souter or some of that stuff you get at a, you know, some cheap stuff at a department store where you get it together, but then the particle board is all chipping around the, the edges of where the screw holes are, and you just got yeah, a no, complete disaster nice. on your hands. Metal and glass. Ooh, so all right. It cost me a whopping $50. Oh, really? Wow, that's great. I'm pretty happy. It's got a little, like, storage shelf I can put my laptop on when I'm not using it. And it's very nice. Mm, yep, that sounds pretty good. Sounds like um, you successfully built, uh, built a nice desk, and the Tigers are still unsuccessfully trying to rebuild this, this contraption. But, I know. So, I mean, if the Tigers were, like, rebuild experts on their side, um, I am really good at building things. Did the Tigers read the instructions, I guess, is the, the question. <laughs> Probably <laughs> or, not. Or did they just start handing out parts and trying to make it all fit? I don't know. It's okay. I got this. Yeah. Well, all right. I guess we have to give the, the Tigers some props, though, tonight, because, um, you know, reasonably nice victory. Um, you know, they, they tried, like, hell to boot it away, but... Uh, Daniel Norris was pretty good, and... Daniel Norris looked really good. Yeah. He had, like, a nine-inning, a nine-pitch inning, followed by a six-pitch inning. Like, outrageous. Yeah, and they may have pulled him, you know, they pulled him after six, and I think he was at, I don't I, I want to say he was at, like, 88 pitches, something like that, 85 to 88 pitches, which maybe was a little bit early, but um, considering the two guys who were coming up had already kind of racky-tacked him a couple times, like, I, I could live with it, even though it all went bad, of course, because... You can't make right decisions when you don't really have a bullpen. Um, and Ron Gardenhar faces all kinds of these like impossible choices, I would say. Um, I don't know. And it's just been interesting because I'm, I'm starting to see the criticism of Ron Gardenhar heating up like crazy um, from everyone. And it's, I just think it's imp- almost impossible to judge what kind of a job Ron Gardenhar is doing because the, 
the team construction is so bad and he's like he's got all these ill-fitting to keep using the metaphor ill-fitting pieces to to put together out there yeah he's got like the uh the overstock ikea where it's like just random parts shoved into a box mm-hmm yeah, and I've had a whole bunch of people kind of ask me that lately. Like, is Ron Gardenhire, you know, just this bad? And I just don't know if it has that much to do with Ron Gardenhire. But I think you can also kind of take a look at the team, you know, playing like pretty terrible fundamental baseball all over the place, which is supposed to be Ron Gardenhire's specialty, and say that, yeah, he's not really helping, hasn't really helped matters in any particularly noticeable way either. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to think anymore. I used to think he was the perfect person for the job, and now I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I feel like firing the team into the sun might be the perfect person for the job. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I know I hate to be like totally reactionary, but I'm just so so done, so done with all of them really at this point. Um, I mean, the the fact that they almost lost, they did lose the lead and then almost lost a game to one of the worst teams in the National League, a team that had the exact same win loss record over the past ten going into this. They were ten, they were eight, two and eight both teams over their last 10 going into this game and the fact that the Tigers struggled so much to even get this win I don't know I mean can we play the rest of the season against the Orioles and just hope for the best yeah or maybe the best thing to do is just to play the rest of the season against the Astros and just get our butts kicked and get the number one pick again I don't know I'm not really a tanker but uh at this point, I don't see what the difference is. doing it anyway, so what difference does it make? Yep. Do it right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just seems like every every game there's at least one completely boneheaded play out there. And, yeah, I mean, Ron Gardenhire's reputation has always been, like, a guy who taught infield defense really well, could, like, really really ingrain the fundamentals in guys and, and get them to, you know, to make the right plays and, and not to do try to do too much, all that kind of stuff, but... Um, we just seem, you know, this team just seems to trip and fall over itself regularly. And the fact that, you know, they're really mixing, mixing and matching positions. Like, I mean, we've had like Harold Castro in center field, you know, they're putting Brandon Dixon at first play, first base, even though he doesn't play there. Nico's been at shortstop. I mean, you kind of wonder like if, if any of that is particularly helping uh, them play solid defense when, you know, you don't know where you're going to be from day to day. And most of these guys aren't particularly good defenders to begin with. I don't know. I'm not sure if there's a way around that, but. You, you kind of wonder if, if that's a particularly smart move. Um, the Tigers did something with their first base position today, which was rather peculiar. Stupid. Yeah, or perhaps stupid, um, based on you know their comments of a couple weeks ago, where, I mean, it sounded about as dire as it could 12, 12 be, right? Days ago. Yeah. 12 days ago, Al Avila said, basically said that for all intents and purposes, Miguel Cabrera would be DHing for the rest of his season, and most likely the rest of his career was the implication. And the idea being that he'd gone to see four different specialists and had been offered up what would have been a season-ending surgery as a solution to his problems, but instead of taking it, was like, no, no, I'll continue to play, but I'll ease up. I won't be on the field as much. I won't play first base. I'll just, you know, DH. Yep. And then they go and play the Tiger, play the, the Pirates. And lo and behold, who do they put at first because they don't have a DH? Like in Miguel Cabrera. And, like, frankly, 12 days after telling people that you're only going to use him as a DH, you throw him in in the first interleague game that comes up? Yeah. To, to me, that says you don't care if he gets hurt, though. Like, I, I don't – I'm not saying that they want him to get hurt. That's not at all what I'm implying. But I'm saying that for a team that said that for him to work out for the long term, they need to be careful, and he needs to be careful, and – jointly everybody needs to be very careful <laughs> making him play first base 
And yes, people on Twitter were like, mm, he's a grown man. He could say no. And no, I mean, really, it, they tell you to go somewhere. You're going to go. Yeah. Like, and it's Miguel Cabrera. So I think it's fair to say that he probably still kind of wants to play first base. Like, absolutely I'm, yeah. he does, but it doesn't mean he should be. Right. The whole point is that they were going to protect him from himself. Um, and yeah, like, I mean... You know, I, I mean, I can kind of understand, like, from the perspective of, yeah, you don't want to touch, obviously, you don't want to take your, you know, your best hitter, maybe, out of the lineup and, and whatnot, just because you're in the National League. But the way they put that and, and you know, kind of the finality um, with which all those statements came out and kind of the dire consequences that were predicted if they didn't get him off the field and, and move him to DH is really hard to reconcile with 12 days later, well, we're going to just, you know, play him at first base today or, you know, I think maybe tomorrow too. I mean, I don't know. We'll they... see, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if they had come out and said, like, you know, we're worried about Miguel, we're worried about the knee, you know, we've talked to him and, and he's going to he's gonna DH for most of the rest of the year. But, you know, we'll probably mix him in at first base in interleague and stuff just to, to keep him in there in the, in the lineup. Like that would be okay, but they come. They just there's just such a tendency for them to like make some some bold statement and then just backtrack a couple days later and and do something different. I mean that same thing goes with like the call ups. Like we can't call this guy up, you know. But then they call him up. So or they or you know or we need help, but we won't call him up. You know, one of the two. Um, I don't know. It's it's just it's just such a clusterfuck. I mean, I just really don't don't even know how to hold them to account for anything in particular because the hole is so utterly jacked right now. Yeah, it's uh it's ludicrous. I don't know what to think anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's I... exhausting, frankly, like trying to like figure out what they're thinking. Yeah. And why they're doing things. Yep. And because there's so much that we don't know and because so much kind of weird, you know, odd stuff has gone on. Like, no one, no one can trust them either, and now we're getting into, you know, and you mentioned this earlier before we got on the air, that, you know, people are already into, like, full-on conspiracy mode, and it's only going to get worse, you know, that Alavila's going to do a bunch of things because, you know, at the end of the offseason is when he should probably be getting an extension because his he and Gardy's contracts are up at the end of 2020. So there's, you know, people taking that view and then saying like, well, this is why they won't bring up any prospects because they, you know, they don't want anybody to come up and suck and make it look like they haven't, you know, even done as well as we think they've done, which isn't all that well. And then you have the reverse of it, which is like, oh, they're going to trade, you know, they're only trading Boyd because, you know, they've already booted everything and now they have to, you know, try to save face by making a big deal. Um, And so they're going to take, you know, whatever they can get and not hold out for the maximum. And all the, I can't really argue with any of those perspectives. I, I have no idea if any of those things are really in their minds or not. But when the plan just seems so convoluted and nonsensical much of the time, like, I don't know what to say. A plan is very generous. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. I don't even see the process. Like, yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked about that before. Like, how you can't really have a, a strict plan in baseball, but you can put good processes in place and and, and just work them and hopefully... You know, we get there through through doing things well and doing things the right way. But yeah, I don't I don't really see that either. It's it's kind of just hit or miss and all over the place with everything. Absolutely, oh. it's it's mystifying. Like I think if I could see the logic, like if I could see a specific way that they were trading and building the farm, or I could see extensions being made in such a way that you could kind of visualize when they foresee when they like can kind of predict being any kind of competitive again 
and then building their whole, you know, franchise around that, I would feel a lot better about it. Yeah. But, but the way it is right now, it doesn't feel like anything makes any sense or like anybody has any some any semblance of a plan. Yeah. I mean, it really just, it does. It just feels half-assed and, and chaotic. And I think, I don't know what, we had a lot of, lot of conversation over the past couple days about Matt Boyd and whether or not we should trade him and what we should trade him for. And I couldn't help but being kind of snarky today on top of all that and throw in, you know, the possibility that maybe we need to think about, you know, shopping Spencer Turnbull as well, because, you know, the Tigers on the one hand, you know, will say things like, you know, we know we can't really spend until 2021, but then we also have, you know, like Lynn Henning and plenty of others have wrote wrote similar things, but then also said you can't really expect to compete again until 23 or beyond. In which case, you know, Spencer Turnbull is already going to be like 31. And, and you, you made some valid points today when discussing this, that he is kind of an accident-prone guy. And or not accident-prone, but injury-prone. And like, he is older. So, I mean, uh, my knee-jerk reaction was to be like, are you kidding me? He's, this is his first year in the majors. He's done so well. But then you made some very valid points as to why this might be the best time to trade him. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just hard to say. Like, I mean, it kind of feels like a similar situation to Fulmer. Like, he isn't pitching as well as Fulmer did in 2016. But, again, it's like a hard-throwing guy who doesn't, you know, necessarily have great command, has kind of had... Uh, an extensive injury history, even though none of them have really been like major, but it's all been shoulder stuff. Um, and yeah, you look, you know, he's already almost 27 years old. So yeah, we have six years of control, but you know, how much are his, his age 31 through 33 seasons really going to be worth to us? So I don't know. Absolutely. Like, I think you at least have to, you know, have to put it out there that you'd be willing to listen and see what happens. I mean, probably he's got to prove himself for a full season and maybe we revisit this again next year. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just wanted to throw it out there because, you know, we're talking, people keep talking about these, you know, far off timetables and why we have to trade Boyd now. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> there's plenty of other guys that maybe we should trade too. If we're, if we're going to wait until we have the number two or three farm system in baseball before we go for it, it seems like an awful far away, far away place to get to there. So I don't know. I don't know. But man, that really, that really annoyed some people for sure. That was like, I don't know. It felt like a dagger to some people I could tell. Yeah, everyone pretty fired up. I don't know. This is another reason why I try to stay off Twitter. It feels like just everybody wants to be mad about something. Yeah, I mean, it was a good discussion. I don't even know if anybody was like inflamed or furious or anything, but it was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, we got to trade him too. We just got this one. But yeah, I mean, when you start talking about like waiting until, you know, Riley Green is ready or until Casey Mize and Matt Manning are, you know ready to actually lead the rotation and not just come in and help out next year. I mean, yeah, I don't, you know, you're counting on two young pitchers who are both really, really good prospects, but pitchers get injured a lot and it might take, you know, it might take three or four years until they both settle into whatever their, their final ability their, level their, is going to be. Form. Yeah. Their final form. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it just, you know, it just feels like you trade Matt Boyd, then you've pretty much said that like the next three years are a wash. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty hard, hard sell, like a couple years into the rebuild already. Um, and coming out of the draft, you know, we've, we've taken a look at some of the, the rankings that like fan graphs and baseball prospectus have of the various farm systems. And the Tigers are still like 12th at best, you know, 19th, according to some, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's yeah, pretty it's grim. Not, it's not pretty. No, it's really not. You're not really gaining any ground that way. And then there's the question of, yeah, do you want, you know, do you want a, 
a GM who might be a lame duck this year trading your, you know, your most valuable commodities away. Um, you know, whatever for like magic beans. Yeah. Is he the one to do that? Or is he going to be kind of, you know, overwilling to, to, to trade for less than maybe he should get. I mean, you could also say like, yeah, maybe this is the best Boyd's ever going to be and he could get hurt again next year, but the Tigers need elite prospects. Like what we don't necessarily need is to trade good players to get like, you know, four or five more like, well, or you wouldn't even get that, but like a couple more like Daz Cameron type players who we think should be like solid contributors and stuff. But you know, none of those guys have any, any real star sizzle. Um, and that's what we need. If you can't get that, then I don't know why you even bother trading Matt Boyd when we still have him through 2022. Well, exactly. I don't get the, I don't get the logic. I mean, that's my thing. And I've said it before that like the decision on trading Matt Boyd has to come down to where they think they're going to be competitive. And part of me wonders if the Tigers even know when that is anymore. Yeah. And I mean, obviously no one knows for sure with any team, but it doesn't even feel like yeah, that you know that this is adding up well at all because a lot of the better prospects are already real close, and you can't just like stall guys in the minor leagues when they're already major league ready or as close as they're going to get. Um, you know, you're not doing anybody any favors there, especially with the pitchers. So the whole thing is going to march on its own timetable once those guys are in the minor leagues, and you can't necessarily just pick and choose when it's all going to come together. And yeah, we we're still missing two big-time bats, at least, um, in the farm system, as well as, you know, another position player and probably a starter and some relievers. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to put together. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we'd all settle for just getting the core with a couple solid position players and a pair of hopeful future stars in there. We'd probably be like, okay, from there you can you can start piecing something together, but it just well, doesn't feel like... building it, yeah. building towards it. You can't just be laying foundation the whole time. You have to start putting walls up at some point. Yep, yep. But instead, it feels like we're still kind of in the teardown, and it's like a two-plus-year-long teardown. Is that what it's going to be if we if we wait through this off se- or this season and deal somebody away this off season too? It's like man, it's it's just the perpetual cycle um, kicking in, which I have always lived in fear of and rambled on at length in my own single podcast last week and man a lot of people listen to that so thanks because <laughs> it's just me talking for an hour doesn't sound that appealing to me <laughs> but yeah but yeah the nice thing is you can hit a hot topic like when casey mize got hurt it was like oh jesus everybody's gonna want to know what to think about that so yeah and i don't know i mean the casey mize thing just to, to touch on it real quick doesn't seem it seemed like basically he came out with the best case scenario like he's you know, shoulder soreness, you know, is about as good as you could ask for when they have to pull a guy mid-game because he can't throw anymore, so. It's not a Brent Honeywell situation, at least. Yep, for sure. Yeah, which is another, you know, cautionary tale. You see what happened to Brett Honeywell. You see that Forrest Whitley, who a lot of people have regarded as the top pitching prospect in baseball for the past year or so, um, he hasn't had a good year, and he's been banged up now and is out. Um, you know, we all knew, like, when you build around pitching – you can't give up pitching. You have to stockpile it because you can't just depend on this or that guy. And here we are doing exactly that. We're going to start trading the pitching away now to get the hitting that we don't have and hope that somehow this all syncs up at some magical point in the future. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. Mm, yeah, I guess on the plus side of that, um, Franklin Prez did did pitch, I think, four innings tonight. 3.2, I think. 3.2, okay. Yeah, down in Lakeland, so... I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me, but if he comes through that and is healthy and can get 
you know, three or four starts in without having to go back in the disabled list, I'll start to at least pay some attention again. Um, right now, he kind of feels like a lost cause, but we'll see. We'll see if the Tigers change anything or if they just send him back out there with the same exact delivery and just, <laughs> I don't know, maybe some different conditioning routines or, I don't know, some kind of balm. Maybe they've got him on CBD oil. I don't know. No, man, they got to get him on whatever, like, keto diet the boy does on. I mean, I, like, at this point, I'm pretty much ready to just force everyone to do any, everything that Matt Boyd does. You just follow Matt Boyd like your little shadow. And take it the Boyd way. Get Boyd to just, like, be the, you know, pitching coach slash, like, ace. Yep, yep. I mean, he did this all on his own, so. He did, actually. Didn't have that much to do with Chris Bazio or Rick Anderson, yeah. Yeah, he might be a tale of, of something you actually want to to tell pitchers to pay attention to. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And then with Boyd, you know, a lot of the conversation is about what he's worth and stuff. And man, I, you know, some people out there, you know, we all have different opinions about this. And you can think what you want to think, obviously. But yeah, a lot of people, it's like arguing with like a rival GM. <laughs> you know, like trying to devalue him and stuff like, oh, he doesn't have the three or four track year track record that so-and-so had and blah, 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 blah. Like no one cares about that. They care about what he's going to do going forward. And no one analyzes that based on, you know, how good Jose Quintana was like three or four years before the White Sox traded him. They cared about like what he was doing right when he was traded, when he actually like was striking out more guys and was starting to look a little more acy and not just like a, a good two or three durable starter. Um, I don't know. I mean, you look at Matt Boyd and everything he's done this year, the way he's changed his pitch, pitch mix over the past year and a half, um, the results he's getting, it's all legit. Like, it doesn't mean he's an ace or anything. I don't I don't necessarily think that he is, but, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say he's a, he's a pretty darn good two or three with a track record of durability. And, yeah, that's pretty valuable when you get three and a half years of cheap control of a guy like that. Absolutely it is. I'm actually, I think uh, Danny Russell and I for DRB are going to be writing a, a, a potential trade piece um, where I kind of take the Tigers angle of it with Boyd and he looks at what the Rays might be willing to give up in return. Can we get Wander Franco? Uh, I doubt it somehow. <laughs> I, I quite frankly am going to pitch that I think that they should uh, do it as a bundle with Hardy oh. uh, and then take some really... Uh, take a really deep cut into some prospects there because i feel like hardy's the kind of guy who could really benefit the Rays system the way that they work with pitchers yeah yep and um i and i think that they would be really smart to take a look at him is this all because yeah. nikki hardy contacted you and said you want she wanted to move to florida <laughs> no, <of course> not. <laughs> okay no, no no um frankly i don't I, I mean, I can't speak for the Hardys. I feel like they probably don't want to change. Probably things. not. Yeah, <laughs> no, nobody really does. Really don't want to move when you're already established and you have a family. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the Rays. I'm not saying the Tigers don't appreciate Blaine Hardy, but I feel like they don't appreciate Blaine Hardy. Yeah, and I guess I mean just to take our perspective for a second, like. Um, Wander Franco is really the only prospect in your system that I would say has to be off the table. Like, you know, because I think so. I think, I think he might be the only one maybe 
maybe like a McKay. I know they're really high on McKay right now, but I don't think he's completely out off the limits. I think you're right. I think Franco's probably Franco, and then probably guys like Honeywell and Dillion um, would be pretty hard targets. Yeah, um, and we don't but, really um, want the injury plague starter guy, except as like a second. You don't want two starting pitchers that have already had Tommy John surgery anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think I think you'd be looking at a probably different. McKay is a really interesting piece, and I think he could probably be got. Yeah, um, he's a two-way player, and he's good at both. Yeah, um, like he's tearing it up offensively, but he's also like a really good pitcher. So he would be very interesting. But I feel like the t- I, I hate to say it, I don't think the Tigers would know what to do with a two-way player. Yeah, I, I don't really either. Although I guess I I'd be willing to give them a try. Develop him as a pitcher. Yeah, yeah, they might, and then they just think like, oh, well, and then he'll be. Well, we'll make sure he starts in the National League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, I'm not a best place, best position available, you know, or best player available type person for no reason. Like in the draft, like that's that's how you got to do it. But when it comes to like a trade like this, the Tigers have to get a cornerstone position player. That's There's just no other reason to do it unless you can get a Kyle Tucker or a Carter Keyboom from the Nationals, you know, someone like that. Chris, Kristen, is it Pache, I think, from the Braves? And teams don't want to give those guys up, of course, but, you know, this, this, is, kind of, this is kind of the way it goes. Like, we, we develop all these pitching prospects, and other teams have been going heavily toward position player prospects, and that's fine, but then if they want to come get our pitcher, then we've got to. <laughs> there's got to be an exchange of resources to where okay, now we get your your super good pitching per, or your hitting prospect because you're getting three and a half years of a a really damn good pitcher, and so you don't yeah, pitcher at his best, arguably. So <laughs> yeah, and not like a guy that you have concerns about. Like, has he been injured a bunch, or is he kind of a flake, or does he work hard enough? Is he going to cruise now? Like every you know all the. All the makeup, and I'm using my little fingery quotation marks right yeah. now. All that stuff is just dialed with um, with Matt Boyd. Like you're gonna get a dude who leads. He, you know, he fits in. Um, the way he's re- remade himself is basically exactly what would have happened if we had traded him to the Astros, and they said, yeah. "No, ditch your sinker, and you know we're gonna we're gonna go all four seamers up, and then you're just gonna work your breaking balls." You know, and he basically did it himself. So, yeah. So he's he's basically ready made. <laughs> Yeah, he's like a way less douchey Trevor Bauer. Yep, exactly. He is. He, that's exactly who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Bauer's out here being a douchebag and talking about how he, you know, he can't can't put up with these girls and you know, and then getting yelled at by people and dragging them on Twitter, barstool fashion, and yeah, just being a general ass. And then uh, yeah, you know, Matt Boyd's out there saving the world. So. Literally saving mm-hmm. saving girls in Africa mm-hmm. from sex slavery and uh, being a generally awesome dude. Yep. And the, and then the other question, which no one has even brought up, is whether or not you could maybe talk to Matt Boyd about an extension. Like I don't know. Like maybe he maybe he wouldn't take it. Maybe he has no interest. And of course, we're already you know we've been through this show before with um, Nick Castellanos, where the closer you get to free agency, the less likely it is that you're going to get him to take it any kind of a. A pay cut. friendly extension, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. The Tigers may have already kind of missed the boat on this, and I can't blame them for that, because I thought Matt Boyd was coming into his own last year, but I didn't expect him to be this Matt Boyd. I expected him no, to be like... I don't think anybody did. Yeah. I thought he might be, you know, three, four war guy, but he's on pace for like a six and a half, seven war season right now, which is kind of bananas. Oh, that's bonkers. Yep. Yep. 
So I don't know. You know, we're gonna end up talking about this bloody forever, but um, <laughs> there the, are only so many topics we have this season. Yeah, it just you know, we just all need to remember that you, we don't have to trade Matt Boyd. We have Matt Boyd for a long time, and when you're in that situation, that's that's when you have to hold out and make sure that you get you know the player you want because getting two average position players and like a you know a throw-in pitching prospect or something, or I've seen like these um. What was that deal that everybody kept floating with to the Yankees where it was like we'd get Clint Frazier and we'd get Estevan Floriel, who's a you know a decent center field prospect who can hit some. Um, probably better than, man, at least as good as Daz. And then, I mean, if you gave me like Devi Garcia, who's a really good pitching prospect, a young one that I like, like maybe you could do that. But, Clint, you know, Clint Frazier doesn't play good defense. It's like... Nick Castellanos all over again, but with hopefully, you know, a few more home runs. Although then you're putting him in Comerica out of Yankee Stadium, so you're never 100% sure how that's going to go either. That kind of deal just doesn't really do it for me. I mean, we need, like, a franchise goddamn player out of this. <laughs> I don't know yeah, if we're going to get it. Well, but We do need somebody who's going to replace Nick, so... Yeah, we do. And, you know, we go back to the deals they made, you know, two years ago, and at the time, you know, everybody was like, well, you can't be too mad about J.D. Martinez because the market and maybe these guys will work out. But now we're, you know, one of the reasons people are getting mad is because we're near trade season again, and you can look back at that J.D. Martinez deal and be like, nope, it sucked. We got nothing. It it was terrible. (laughs) And even in retrospect, it's terrible. Yep. And the J.B. deal, which at the time I thought was, like, pretty fair, like, it wasn't great, but it was okay. I I could live with it despite the pure this grinding agony of having to watch Justin Verlander be this fucking great elsewhere. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's devastating still. It's still it is it, like, I say it, it's like watching your ex, like start dating a supermodel and just post everything on Instagram. Yeah. Like it's, it's heartbreaking and just insult to injury kind of thing. And like everything going well for them too. Like not even the stuff that they had anything to do with. It's just like, everything's coming together in their life and you're just like, Oh, Oh, great. Yeah, I guess they did the right thing, you know, leaving our broke ass behind. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, exactly. Like, their his whole life has become, like, sunshine and rainbows. Yep. Mary, Mary's a literal supermodel, and they have an adorable baby now, and he's got a World Series ring, and... Yep. Yep. Out there dominating again, giving up home runs, but striking out ten dudes every night, and giving up hardly any hits, even though... Every third one is a home run for reasons that no one has been able to put together for me. Although I keep badgering people like Eno Saris and Sun Min Kim and <laughs> a bunch of other people like, hey, you guys should write about this. Yeah. I mean, in theory, Brandon, you could write about it yourself and then just send it to Fangraph. That's the problem is I just don't even think of myself that way, but I probably should uh, yeah, try to branch out a little bit because I, I am thinking too much about non-Tigers topics. And the more the Tigers are bad, the more the whole thing comes comes down to like watching other teams and like what are they doing and watching the farm you know not watching the tigers like it's like that that's the center that's the locus of the suck so you have to like put your back to it and fate and <laughs> is that the title <laughs> the locus really, of the suck yeah, i think that might be the title of the episode that's really good okay um man oh that does summarize this season so well oh my me oh my so it's hard to watch it is just it's so... <sighs> yeah, it's painful, you know? I mean, I've watched a lot of games, but I haven't watched a complete Tiger game more than once since it turned to June. Like, I, you know, I'm in there, I'm watching what I need to watch from the starters, I'm keeping track of everybody, 
And obviously I'm following the minor leagues. I'm watching a lot of minor league pitching performances. I'm watching the major league stuff and checking on other people's prospects. So I'm just all over the world and too busy to even do it if I wanted to. But I don't want to. <laughs> I know. It's stuff like, I mean, I watched the game tonight, but like it was, I have to build a desk. So I'm already going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I normally would have watched tonight, but I worked. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll watch Daniel. I'll watch when Matt Boyd starts. I usually watch most of that. I watch Spencer Turnbull, etc. I've been watching a lot of Joe Jimenez clips, trying to figure out what's wrong. And I think I might have an answer to that, but uh, I don't know if Rick Anderson does. And, you know, I can be all cocky because, you know, Joe's not going to listen to me anyway. But seriously, throw a curveball. <laughs> Try the curveball. <laughs> It would get him to stay back on the mound longer because the way you release a curveball would fix his fastball, I think, in a lot of ways. And his slider just isn't that good. It's too hard and too sweepy. Can't locate it. Doesn't have enough depth. He did throw some nice change-ups tonight, though, so that was nice to see. I'd love to see Daniel Norris throw the change-up a lot more, too. Daniel's got a hell of a change-up when he's going good. Yeah, I was just overall very happy with the way Norris was pitching tonight. It gave me a lot of hope. Yeah, Daniel Norris, for me, is still fun. Like, that, that's one of the things that's still fun about this team. Jacoby Jones going good is fun. Nico is fun. Brandon Dixon against, you know, hanging breaking balls is kind of fun. <laughs> um, Shane Green is fun. But, yeah, there's not a whole lot of fun. Even our boy Blaine has kind of struggled lately. So, um, you know, I love you, Blaine, but come on, buddy. you, you got to get it together so you can get traded to a, a better team and actually have a chance at something in your career before it's all over. The pressure's oh, on, Blaine. Depressing. Yeah, yeah. So, t- t- all right, we're going to have to turn into the depressing here for a second because, of course, I mentioned this on, on the podcast I did last Friday, but I think we need to um, we need to dive deep into our, our boy in his unbuttoned shirt and the comments that uh, came out of Nick Castellanos last week. Oh, boy. Yeah. It was, it was a, for me, it was a kind of being torn between being super entertained um, <laughs> by him airing all of his dirty laundry that way and just being so deeply frustrated with the way that the whole situation was handled. So, I mean, the long and the short of it for anybody that didn't listen to Brandon's one podcast is that Nick basically came out and said, like, I guess the Tigers went to him and were like, we want you to play first base. And I guess he said, well, if you want me to like learn yet another new position, um, I'm going to need something from you guys that indicates that you're in this for the long term. I basically, I'll learn a new position if you extend me. Yeah. And they were like, thanks, no thanks. You can stay out in right field. <laughs> and he made a ton of comments that were very much in line with, he loves Detroit. He loves the city. He loves the team and he wants to stay, but that there was nothing and that any any indication that they had offered him something previously that he had declined was a lie. Because um, that was something that we'd all heard and had speculated on previously was that the Tigers had offered him something, I think, two years ago. Yeah. We don't, the we, understanding. And apparently, according to Nick, that never happened. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it's insanely frustrating to me that two years ago they had an opportunity and they didn't take it. Yeah, and and to Nick's credit, he didn't say that they, he didn't put it like they lied to me and, you know, and said they offered something. But yeah, I mean, I pulled the quotes immediately from an Anthony Finnick article in December of 2017, not long after we at Bless You Boys started screaming at them to begin extension talks, where apparently, yeah, the Tigers reached out to talk about an extension 
And according to Nick, you know, they never did. They never really did. Like, maybe there was, like, a call, like, hey, you know, would you guys want to talk about an extension? Or maybe a comment like what <laughs> Al made in the offseason where it was just like, oh, yeah, I know, like, Nick's thinking about extensions and we're thinking about extensions, but we've never had that discussion. Yeah. And from what, what he said, said is that Al told him specifically, like, no, we're just not in a position to extend anyone. Yeah, there's like, we're, we're not just not going to spend, basically, was their stance. And that really bums me out. Yeah, and I mean, it really does undercut, like, all all of their talk over the past two seasons about how they, you know, which really made it seem like they were, you know, they were thinking about that. But, you know, it also kind of seemed to make it seem like Nick wanted too much. And as it turns out, like, it doesn't sound like there was ever even a conversation that got that far um, about, like, how much it would be. Um and from Nick's perspective, you know, I've heard a bunch of people say, you know, like, oh, well, you know, Nick's paid a bunch of money. He should play wherever they tell him to play. Well, that's fine. And if, if Gardy wrote, you know, a lineup out with Nick Castellanos' name at first base, Nick would go out there and play first base. But for him to voluntarily do it uh, after just switching positions and in the year before he reaches free agency, you know, you're, you're asking for a lot there. You're asking for a guy to, you know, take on a new position and, you know, possibly struggle and fail and look like, you know, you've undercut his free agent potential that way. You know, that's a lot to ask from a guy. You're you're basically, you know, potentially taking money out of his out of his pocket and you're not willing to even discuss, you know, possibly extending him and figuring out a way to do it. And I'm sure there's a way to do it. I mean, they're paying him ten million dollars a year this year. Um, you know, I don't think you'd ever have to pay him much more than that on a yearly basis. And they could have like front loaded a deal a little bit to, so that when they actually get around to whenever this turnaround is supposed to happen, that, you know, maybe he's like seven, 8 million, something like that per year, um, in, yeah. in the last, you know, three or four years of his deal. But it just doesn't sound like it ever got to that point. And honestly, like Al Avila's comments on it, um, really seem disingenuous in, in retrospect. I won't say he lied specifically, but, uh, but they basically just BS'd it like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's on the table. Maybe, you know, maybe something like that could happen. But right now we're not real sure. So, yeah, to me, it sounds like it was really never on the table. And that the reason those discussions never happened is because there was just no room for them to. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Yeah. And I mean, you know, people have watched Nick Castellanos like probably for the past week has been like, you know, the week of the season where he's blown like three plays basically. And uh isn't looking good out there, but you know, the metrics continue to suggest that he's been a lot better out there than he was last year and that he's actually not that big of a problem. Um, you know, he's, you know, below average right fielder, you know, relatively solid, not a guy who's going to make the big play for you out there and might occasionally bone one, but you know, at, at least as good as JD Martinez was. And that's fine if they don't, you know, if they don't want that, if they don't want him out there, but you know, he obviously put in a lot of work to, to get much better than we saw for most of last season, he's been a lot better than that. When I wrote that article on um, the outfielders' jump statistics, he's literally the only one of our current three outfielders that has improved season to season in in his jump statistics. So, I mean, yep, he's putting in effort. Yeah, and I mean, and he really has, like, transformed his body and stuff over the past couple years to, you know, to make himself faster um, and more agile out there. And then we all know he's not going to be a particularly good right fielder. And in the end, you know... All of this is kind of moot because he's not particularly hitting this year and has really struggled. And this all just seems to be in his head, in in everybody's head at this point where it's, you know, the relationship is just soured. And so I guess whatever, because, you know, we know he's not coming back. 
Um, we know the Tigers are probably going to trade him because it's pretty hard to imagine like them extending him a qualifying offer and him, you know, passing on it and then actually getting a big contract too. like the odds of all that happening seem really pretty grim right now. I don't know, maybe if we trade him to the Yankees or something where he's in a tiny park and can hit a bunch of dingers. But the Yankees, I don't even think, have room for a good bat. Like, unless you're, like, a god-tier bat, I think they're, they're pretty well set. Judge and Stanton are coming back, and they just traded for Edwin Encarnacion because, of course, they don't have enough power. Nope, they don't have enough hard hitters on that team. Mm-hmm. I guess they just have to protect themselves in case 13 people get put on the IL again. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I've got quotes from... Let's see, whose article is this? Probably McCoskey. Chris McCoskey? Yeah, from June 16th, two days ago. Tigers manager Ron Gardenhire knows how Nick Castellanos feels about moving to first base. Of course he does. He was the one who asked them to do it last September, and he understands and agrees with Nick's reasons for not wanting to switch positions. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's all there. Gardy, it's Gardy gets the it. The immortal words of Ron Washington in Moneyball, it's incredibly difficult to play first base. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really isn't, like, this easy switch. I mean, it's certainly true that the physical demands of playing first base are much less, but the mental demands of playing first base are a lot different because you have to be ready to take pickoff throws from the pitcher and from the catcher. You've got to be holding people on. You've got to know exactly where you're going to play. It's a whole different throw from first base down to second base to try to turn a double play. Like, you know, great great defenders can move around and, and just pick up a new position and make it work. But um, we obviously know Nick isn't a good defender, that's for sure. So, yeah, I mean, it would probably be quite an adjustment. And trying to make that adjustment, like, right before you're going into free agency, it's just a lot. It's an awful lot to ask. Um, Yeah, it is. It's too much, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't think his asking for an extension before doing that is an unfair demand. Yeah, exactly. I don't either. And I would, I don't, I mean, I kind of would like to have seen it. Like, you know, for me, Nick Castellanos, like worst asset as a defender are his, his hands and his, his, you know, reaction time or reflexes. And that has always made me think that him going to first base is probably a lot worse idea than going to right field where, you know, he's going to catch all the routine balls and, you know, for the most part, not do anything out of the ordinary to either help or hurt you. Um, you know, he's just going to make the routine play, make the routine throw and you yeah. hope he hits, but... I can't imagine who, after watching Nick Castellanos play third base, would want to move him to first. Yeah. Yeah, eh, that's pretty much how I, how I see it, too. Like, how, do you want, a hand, you want him handling, like, ten times as many plays per game? <laughs> like, is that really is that really the, the goal? I mean, I know he's tall. I understand why Garden Tiger thinks, like, this might, you know, not be a bad idea. But it's funny to see an article right now that says, Tigers still view Nick Castellanos to first base as a possible win-win. Like, yeah. uh, I don't think you're going to talk Nick Castellanos to doing anything right now. <laughs> um, and, of course, you know, the fan base in predictable fashion is all mad at Nick now. And, you know, he's a bum and he was never any good and he's not hitting anyway. Good riddance, etc. And not everybody feels that way, but, you know, a lot of people do. And it is very much of the, like, oh, well, you broke up with me. I'll break up with you first, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's so stupid. I don't know. I, I feel I'm team Nick. I feel it. I think that he was treated really unfairly and I think it's a terrible situation all around. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I won't say that he was treated terribly unfairly, but he was treated a lot like a guy that didn't mean anything particular to you and you didn't really, you know, envision as being, you know, someone who could, who could, 
you know, be part of your future. And I just don't really get that when you consider the, you know, the massive lack of bats throughout the farm system. I just don't get why you let a 28-year-old dude walk away. And the worst part of it is that this goes back to the conversation at the beginning, is that the Tigers don't have plans and they just continue to sort of like see how things will play out. And it just never happens to play out in their favor. I don't know if they're expecting that to change, um, but we just always seem to be on the wrong side of things. You know, when we finally go to trade prospects for players, then it's all like, oh, well, the market has changed and, you know, prospects are way more valuable now than they used to be. You know, it's it, it just feels like we're on the bad side um, all around and aren't willing to do anything to get on the good side. Like, I'm damn near ready to start, you know, to, to trade for players. <laughs> I'm ready to start trading minor leaguers for, you know, for bats if we can get them and then just build around Boyd, Turnbull, and bring Mize Manning up next year and we'll see what Michael Fulmer has when he gets back. And I'm ready to do that. And maybe, you know, maybe in 2021 the Tigers will find themselves in that place where, okay, it's time to start making some deals because we think we can do this. But it just feels like when your team is this bad and the fan base, you know, is losing all, all care and concern about the team and is just mad in general, like it's just really hard to like turn that, that vibe around and be like, okay, now we're, now we're going for it without seeing like a whole bunch of progress all over the place that we aren't seeing yet. So I don't know. It's not great. It's not great right now. No, it's not ideal. And I like your thinking, too. Like, build something that's at least watchable for the time being, but that is also building towards something. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, next, you know, I don't know. Like, this year, maybe the best thing is for them to just, just suck the rest of the way and, well, and mean, get the number really no, and get the no top pick. Option. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's nice enough if you have a couple starters who are good enough to where you know like okay i can go down there and probably watch a major league game but you know jordan zimmerman's about to come back we'll see kind of what happens there but we know that you know there's going to be at least two starts per time through the order where it's just a just a complete clusterfuck and not really you know enjoyable baseball or entertaining baseball to watch so yeah i don't know it's tough it's tough right now yeah it's not awesome yeah sorry guys i know you get annoyed when we're not like well, happy, happy rainbows, but yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. So. Fortunately, there are there are plenty of people out there who totally appreciate the fact that it's not rainbows, too. So it's a nice balance. Because obviously there's a lot of people out there who feel exactly like we do. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Just like, ah, I can't watch this right now. Um, so good on uh, the University of Michigan for giving at least like local fans like a respite to actually watch like one of the few... Big Ten appearances in the College World Series in the past 40 years. Um, they won their first game, so they've only got to win one of their next two to advance. So that's cool. Kudos to Tommy Henry, um, who I think was drafted by the Diamondbacks, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember exactly. But through a great game um, the other night. So, yeah, there's that. Good job. Good job, U of M. <laughs> <laughs> you got you to pick your joy where you can find it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, got to find some things to be excited about. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, trying to think like, 
we are kind of at the point though where one thing that will be interesting to see over the next week or two is that you know like Nick Quintana, um, Andre Lipschitz. I don't know how exactly how to pronounce that. I want to say it's um, Andre Luscious, but it's not. Um, but those guys will probably start getting their assignments. Um, Connecticut Tigers short season A ball has started up, so we've seen some of the young prospects in there um, just just a little bit, but. We, we should start seeing like the new draftees um, and probably some of the more advanced ones like the two I mentioned will probably show up at West Michigan. Um, Riley Green is playing in the GCL. Um, I don't know if they'll move him past Connecticut this year, but we should start to see him in, in a ball in some form before too long. And that stuff helps. Um, it does help if you're a minor league watcher like I am to like see, okay, like you know, at least have like these young guys to kind of root for and, and hope that some things are coming together. But the Tigers, like, the whole front office really needs, like, Daz Cameron, Jake Rogers, Willie Castro, Isaac Paredes. Like, they need those guys to finish strong and and force their way to the major leagues for, for a look in the second half. And that would at least kind of, I think, alleviate some of the, the pure terror that we are getting nowhere fast. Um, it, would, it would help if a couple of that, those guys would do well because so far it's been a rough go for them. It's been kind of a rough go for Parker Meadows. Um, some of these guys have started hitting again lately. Like Jake Rogers has basically been fine at Toledo. I don't really know why they don't just call Jake Rogers up. Um, they called up Bobby Wilson instead to put Griner on the yeah, the, the IL. Started. Yeah, I mean, Jake Rogers hasn't been tearing the cover off the ball necessarily at Toledo, but he's probably not really ever going to. Like he's a dude who's yeah, going to hit home runs thing. and yeah, he's going to hit home runs, draw walks, get on base, and he's doing that. And it might help you, you know, to, to, to put, you know, him behind the plate with Boyd and Turnbull and Joe Jimenez and some of these other guys and let the best receiving and game-calling catcher in the minor leagues, according to a whole bunch of people, you know, get, get, his, get his shot this year. Um, you know, I understand the, the service time argument, but it has no place with Jake Rogers because his best skill is defense and you're wasting it. Um, you're, you're wasting the best value that Jake Rogers has for you. Um, with every moment, he's getting older and putting more wear and tear on his knees, and you know, and and you're not getting the advantage of his defense because the bat, you know, if you're waiting for him to be JT Real Muto, that's probably not going to happen. And if it does, it's not going to happen until he's been in the major leagues for a while, and and hopefully something clicks for him. But yeah, it would be nice to start seeing some of those guys. But yeah, Jake Rogers in particular, I think, could make the pitchers look better, and might even be a good idea to bring up right now, just because he might help you you know, make Green, Turnbull, Jimenez, and Boyd all look as good as possible, and Daniel Norris as well. Like, maybe if Daniel Norris kind of goes nuts for a couple games and looks good, maybe you, you, you know, you entertain offers there. I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt he's going to be worth a whole lot at this point, but the fact remains, like, Jake Rogers' value is, is as a defender, and you can't just, like, put that in a cold, dry place somewhere and have it be preserved perfectly until you're ready for it. So... I would hope that they would bring up Rodgers at least fairly soon and, and hopefully like early July. Give us something yeah. for God's I mean, sake. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to most. I'm a big Rodgers fan, so I'm really excited to see him come up. Yep. He is real fun to watch behind the plate. Um, and he just kind of gives you, I think when you watch, when I watched the Seawolves when he was back there, you just have a, a sense of confidence in him. Like he's going to throw everybody out. He's going to direct the, the defense well going to keep everybody on their toes and he's going to call a great game and keep his pitcher sharp so yeah yeah seems like um and i and i think we will see him at least before too long we'll see about the rest of them um i think that's about it for the tigers um (laughs) 
we'll yeah, see. I think there's a ton more. Yeah, we'll see how things go. I'm sure like actual trade rumors will start to kick in, like with with real detail. Hopefully, uh, sometime in the next week or two. But um, that's that's about it. Um, for our Trevor Bauer mention of the weekend, I'll just say how absolutely annoying it was to watch him, you know, throw a complete game shutout against the Tigers and just totally style on us like that. Oh. The worst. All right. I want to talk about, well, we can just, I don't know. Do we have to talk about Max Scherzer or can we just mention that he bunted into his own face um, trying to. <laughs> Hashtag never bunt. Never bunt. <laughs> He broke his nose during, like, it was a bunting practice. In batting practice, yep. Oh, God, it's so funny. Yep, had the bat, had the bat head tipped toward him still a little bit too much and just fouled it off right into his nose, and it's broken. And it being Max Scherzer, he doesn't need a nose to pitch, and maybe you'll see him next time out just, like, fuck it, but I don't know. It sounds like he might miss a little time. You might have to, because I've noticed in the past, um... You, got, you can't have guys, like, pitchers have been called off the mound for having bandages on their face in the past. Yeah. I guess it's distracting to the batter. Yep. Um, like, I've seen it happen with Tigers pitchers. Somebody had, the, like, a bandage on their cheek or something and had to remove it. Yeah, the Joaquin um, Benoit. Um, yeah, that's what it was. The face eruption, whatever was going on there. Yeah. Ingrown hair, I think it was. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I can see them not letting Scherzer pitch just because of the, the need for some sort of a bandage on his nose for the time being. Yeah, but maybe Max, being Max, will just rip the bandage off and be like, <laughs> I can pitch anyway with, like, a big, you know, black and blue nose and rage in his eyes. If anybody it, it would be Max Scherzer, and he would just, like, get out there and get really ragey and then give himself a nosebleed. Yeah. Someone mentioned today that the the Nationals have fallen so hard on their face that they may actually entertain trading Max Scherzer. I heard that too. Yeah, should we trade for him? <laughs> uh, yes, I would not be. I mean, it's illogical and pointless, but yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, 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 you know, I might at a point sign Justin Verlander with <laughs> yeah. Astros, and then we can just have the 2013 Dream Team back again. Yep, yeah. but with a with a bullpen this time, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, alas. Um, okay, and then finally, let, yeah, let's talk about umpire umpire hashtag a little bit. I'm gonna, oh gosh, do you have the tweet? Um, let me find it. Yeah, let, you can explain what's going on while I find the tweet. So yeah, we got to get into this umpire thing because it's um, kind of crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the context of it, I, I get it. Okay, so the basic thing is that the the Major League Umpires Association tweeted today that they were unhappy with the amount of time that Manny Machado was suspended. Um, he had, a, I guess, a bit of an altercation with an umpire arguing balls and strikes, and then he threw his bat against the backstop, and they were very adamant in all caps that he violently threw his bat against the backstop and came around, and he was just like, violence in the workplace is not tolerated, and offenders are dealt with severely and even made examples of for the good of its employees. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. With an apostrophe. Um, oh. Um, as well as the company itself. Um, is this truly what the MLB wants to teach our youth? Won't somebody think of the children? Oh, is no, they somebody? went children. Yeah, they didn't tweet that part. But won't somebody think of the youth, basically? But my favorite part before we get into how ridiculous this tweet is in general is the hashtags. Yeah. <laughs> because that whole part of it was like a screen-capped statement. But then the tweet itself is just a buttload of, of hashtags and then tags for MLB, the Padres, and Buster Only. Of course. <laughs> Do something about this Buster Only. <laughs> the hashtag You're our only hope. follows. 
Hashtag disappointed. Hashtag lead by example. Hashtag not appreciated. Hashtag violence. Hashtag temper tantrum. Hashtag inaction. Hashtag not tolerated. Hashtag no, make wait. an example of. Hashtag one game suspension. Hashtag repeat offender. Hashtag nonsense. <laughs> and then they hashtag themselves the MLB Umpires hashtag Association. Oh my god. I didn't even notice those actually when I first saw what you guys were talking about. That's insanity. Oh, that's tremendous. So somebody's teenage umpire son got very angry? Is this what happened? Because that's what it looks like. Oh, this is uh, no. who just learned how to use Twitter and finally figured out what a hashtag is. Oh, God. Something online. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So, I, I grant you, violent outbursts should not be handled lightly. And somebody else in the MLB Slack that we have posted a video today of a crowd of adults getting into fisticuffs literally yeah over a game of softball for seven-year-olds yep because they didn't like the call that a 13-year-old umpire made yep got into an abs an absolute like riotous brawl on the field florida men of course were involved but you know yeah so i i grant you that there is a tendency for rage and for feelings of being slighted to be directed at umpires and umpires are generally viewed in a very negative way both by fans and by players i think yeah almost whether they deserve it or not yeah and i I don't know that they do i think that there are instances where they make mistakes and yes there's like definitely reasons why you know robot robot umpires should be considered yeah um but like I find that, by and large, umpires have a code, their own kind of unwritten rule. And with umpires, it's very much like you can say what you want to me, as long as it's just you venting. But the second it becomes you directing an attack at me personally, that's where we're going to have a problem. Yeah. So I think that, for the most part, they tend to put up with a lot. Like They do. They listen to a lot of stuff hurled in their direction without, you know, issuing warnings, without throwing guys out. So I kind of get where if you're in a work position and you make a call and somebody loses their mind and throws a baseball bat. Yeah, you know what? If that happened to me at my work, I would feel endangered. Yeah, at very least uncomfortable. I mean, it's not like he threw it at him or or near him or anything. But yeah, but he did. He he was upset and he flung the bat. Yeah. And I, I would feel I would feel disrespected. And I would feel a little uneasy continuing at my job at that point. Yeah. And so in that sense, I get what they're saying, that there should be something that teaches MLB players that you can't just use umpires as a punching bag. Yeah. But I also don't think that posting something with 78 hashtags yeah. is the way to get your point across. And honestly, like, going full drama queen about it, because, I mean, yeah... Somebody, yeah, was this the example you want to set for the youth? The, I think we've demonstrated there are a lot bigger problems yeah. in MLB. Like, um, your one-game suspension for Manny Machado is not my concern. You're only suspending serial wife abusers for seven days is a bigger concern to what we're teaching the youth, frankly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, it's totally true. Like umpires take more, probably more grief than they deserve. 
and some of them are bad. I mean, we can all pick pick our favorites. I've got I've Hernandez. got yeah, I've got a few Hernandez. I I'm not a fan of uh, oh god, what's his name? Jordan. Uh, oh damn it, I can't even remember his name now. Jordan Baker, not a fan. Oh. I I got a couple that I that I really dislike, but I know they they catch a ton of grief, like when when they're sitting there calling balls and strikes, the catcher's yelling at them. You know, every ball call, like they're they're getting you know unless it's egregious. There, you know, there's an ongoing conversation about that. There's the player chirping at him who's hitting. There's, you know, both dugouts chirping at you. And then there's, you know, 40,000 or, you know, like, I mean, at Comerica, like 5,000 people yelling at you. Um, well, and then so around with national cameras on you. Yeah. When somebody says, no, you you messed your job up and I'm going to call your boss and have them review something for me. Yep. So, yep. You're, they're under a lot of pressure and they get no credit um, for the good calls that they do make. And I think one of the things that has happened with instant replay is it's shown how often they get the, the bang, bang, like quick, hard to see play. Right. Like they do do a good job, but they're also the ones who are resisting, you know, getting any assistance from that. Like if they, if they wanted to kind of cut the robot up thing off at the pass, they could just have the the robot ump, you know, balls and strikes information fed directly to them, so that you know they could use it to help them make their you know their ball and strike calls. They could they you know whatever you could have an Apple Watch that shows, you know, the exact track band location of each pitch when it goes through. Doesn't mean they have to follow it exactly. If it's on the edge, you know, at least they can you know take that kind of stuff. But they're they're just not proactive. Like they're incredibly reactionary and defensive. And while I can kind of understand why um, it's it's not doing their cause any good, and it just feels like more and more, you know, fans are are just kind of done with it. Oh my God! Someone posted this amazing picture of a a sad umpire clown um, behind a broken wire mask, um, crying. That's great. <laughs> so God. yeah, so they're they're you know they're getting dragged left and right, and you know I mean they kind of did go just a bit over the top. I mean when you think of some of the things we've seen. You know, like David Ortiz just murdering that phone in the dugout. Like, yeah, there's that 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 was that was violent. Like, that was probably dangerous to some people. Um, we saw Brett Gardner like whip a helmet and have it come back and bite him in the face the other day. Like, players get angry. They do dumb things. It's an emotional like game played by male children. You know, <laughs> yeah, to a large extent. Like, you know, we all have this capacity. Like, you know, whether it was, you know, our dads, I'll just, I'll use, you know, ubiquitous, like all of our dads together trying to fix something. And, you know, the words that come out of your mouth when you're trying to fix something and you hit your thumb with a hammer. Like, you know, you know, men lose their cool. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Uh, A lot of times under these kind of circumstances. And, you know, the umpires are no different, but it just looked like such a childish, like imbecilic rant from them. Um... It was it was like the kind of thing like an one umpire who lost his cool at the bar after the game would tweet rather than that the actual Major League Baseball Umpires Association like thought that through and tweeted that it is ridiculous. So I I don't know. That's my problem is that that's their like their official account. That's it did not look good. It did not look good. I'm looking through the MLB Baseball Umpires Association Twitter now just to see. Oh, and they love hashtags and everything. They kind of are a bit of... Yeah, they're pretty hashtag obsessed. Oh, Uncle Umpire. Oh, no. Yeah, who? I wonder who's in charge of this shenanigans here. Because, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's Oh, yeah, it's very hashtag heavy. <laughs> oh, man. 
So they're one of them. So, you know, not only do they need help with balls and strike calls, but they need, you know, somebody's teenage son to take them, or teenage daughter, probably better, to take them under their, their wing and, and teach them how teach to use Twitter. To use social media, yeah. Yeah, properly. Oh, man. Amazing. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. I'm having some secondhand embarrassment for the players, for not really the Umpires Association. I am kind of a secondhand embarrassed type of person. Someone, one of, one of our staff was talking about that. Was it Cam talking about how he couldn't watch something because he couldn't oh, stand the secondhand? Very much like that. Like, I have a friend that literally has to leave the room in some scenes. I can watch someone be knocked unconscious. You know, and not bad an eye in an MMA fight, but watching someone be, you know, made to be the fool and be horrifically uncomfortable and embarrassed, I, yeah, that that really is hard for me as well. <laughs> my empathy, my empathy is real strong for that kind of situation. Yeah. I don't know why. It's not like I necessarily have some particular trauma about that sort of thing in my past or anything, but yeah, I've always hated it. Always hated to see people struggle. I don't like schadenfreude too much unless the person's really a jackass and not just someone who just is having a bad day. I tend to be a softy about these sorts of things and very forgiving. Goddamn Christian upbringing. Anyway. I love... It's not, it's not working for a lot of us, I have to say. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I love misery. Give, give me schadenfreude all the time. See, misery... Yeah, but yeah, misery I can take more than embarrassment for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't embarrassment know. Embarrassment is harder. I just like seeing people get their comeuppance. Yeah, I do like I do like seeing that. I think it's like, a, it's like a group thing. Like, I don't like seeing people ganged up on in any way. Like, nothing has made me lose my cool and start throwing punches faster in my life than, like... Someone getting picked on by like a bunch of people, like one person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I hate that. I will lose my mind over something like that. Anyway, so in this case, I guess you're like the the ten year old getting mocked on the playground. Um, MLB umpires association. <laughs> we 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 just you know we're not upset with you, but we feel bad. Like we feel bad for what you did, and we can't kind of watch. Yeah, it's pretty cringy. It's bad. Ah. Oh well. I don't know. Oh, well, the robot. Maybe there's a question or the, uh, you know, a title for maybe a future episode. Maybe the robot umpire they should hire is for their Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The robot umpire's dream of bad balls and strike calls, or yeah, uh, the bad umpires. Or robot umpires get embarrassed by bad balls and strike calls. I don't know. All right, I guess that's about it. I think we're pretty good. We didn't take um, listener questions today because it, there was just too much to talk about already, and like all of you guys are just mad and you know want me to either like lay out the entire farm system for you or explain what the front office is doing and we can't do either. (laughs) Good grief. Um, So yeah, anyway, like just to preview what's coming, I guess, you know, it's almost trading season. We're going to be talking an awful lot about Boyd and and Green. Probably going to keep talking about Nick. Like this isn't going to stop. Like these are going to be the topics through the dog days of summer until the Tigers relent and finally call up um, some prospects for us to watch. So we'll have something new and exciting to get excited about and then disappointed by. Yeah, exactly. Yep, I look forward to that disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. You had a couple of new videos um, this week, so why don't you plug those and we'll get out of here. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Tuesdays was on actually calculating games back. So I do the whole oh, yeah. thing. Like I throw up a blackboard. There's a whole math thing, um, but it's pretty quick and easy. And I, I in doing it found it very interesting to learn how to calculate games back and how those half games kind of come up and and all that so i thought it was very useful um and then i have one on thursday that is going to be oh god um 
I've already forgotten because I'm already editing next week's. Um, it's okay. Take your time. I'll cut this. I'll cut this part. <laughs> so it's on explaining the difference between the 25 and 40 man and kind of the typical breakdown of how many players are on a 25 man roster in each position and that sort of thing. Oh, that's a great um, idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You could do one on the um, qualifying offer next. Um, I should actually qualifying offer, and then I have to do one on like DFA's and. Um, options. I have a million videos that I have to make still. <laughs> I just keep throwing topics at you too. Like, hey, I actually do one about like all the levels no, of the minor good. leagues. <laughs> I mean, I'm already, as of this week, I'm a third of the way through the season because I want to do 100 episodes in the first season. Oh, nice. Um, and I posted 33 to, yeah, today, actually, I think. Um, and so, yeah, then Saturday's video is going to be on comebackers. Oh, right on. Oh, my God. Man, yeah, there is at least one Tigers option thrown in there. Uh, I don't even want to. I don't even want to. I don't want to watch that episode. I hate comebackers. That's the worst. That's so scary. On the for the most part, all the clips that I use are where they actually catch them. That's good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't. I Rather didn't, than a, a sampling of like where people have been hit in the head and elsewhere. Yeah. No, I did not include the 2012 uh, game two hit in the head to Doug Fister. Oh. Um, oh my I God! Still remember to this. Day. Which he shook that off like a boss. Life. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was um, that was not in there, but there was a Jobich Chamberlain comebacker that made the cut. So. Oh, right on. I remember yeah. in uh, I remember in Little League like getting one just a bullet right back at my face, and I just happened to catch it, and it hit my glove so hard that it spun me around almost twice entirely. My God. And I didn't, and I showed no expression on my face, and I just like tipped my cap to the dugout totally stone-faced and just, you know, got right back to pitching. And everybody afterward was like, oh, my God, like, you, dude, you were so cool about that. It was unreal. Like, the whole crowd was all like, holy shit. And I was like, yeah, well, I, I about peed myself, and I didn't have a thought in my head until about, like, three pitches later. So that's why I look so calm is because I just went, like, completely blank. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, whoa. Oh, I did. I did make the sign of the cross, so I did have that going right afterward, and then the, and then everybody laughed, and yeah, that was that's that's my one memory of a comebacker right at my head. But woo, yeah, it was scary. Funny. Yeah. So all right, that's um, that's about it. Um, I don't know if um, something crazy comes up, maybe I'll get back um, with another another episode later this week. Um, but otherwise, yeah, just look for all the um, the exciting trade talk and anger and dismay and rage that you've come to expect from Blessed Boys in um, the comment section there. <laughs> and I don't know. And yeah, we'll just see. We'll see how things kind of shake out. Hopefully the Tigers can do well and get something back good for Shane Green. And I don't know. We'll just, we'll just see how this Boyd situation shakes out. But we'll be talking about all that and much, much more. Um, so yeah, follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter. Follow me at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter. And yes, definitely check out Ashley's YouTube channel because there's a a plethora, a gaggle. There's quite a few. A murder of videos out there, um, <laughs> <laughs> which are really an awesome introduction. And you know what I did? I actually looked the other day, like beginning baseball or like, in, like intro or primer to baseball and searched all those. And it was really pretty shitty. Um, so I really think you are filling like a pretty awesome niche there. And um, if people want to get anyone into the game... Um, turning around to those videos is a big help and it's also a way for guys to not be embarrassed about all the things that they don't know about and you can just go watch that video <laughs> and not ask us questions it's not all linear right like i'm not going beginning to end baseball like i'll have a video on what different kinds of pitches are and then the next day i'll talk about woba and so i try to cover crazy things all over the mix like i've got you know 
videos on what runs and walks are, but I also have videos on BABIP. So <laughs> yep. I try to have a little bit of something for everybody. Yep, there's FIP Sierra all the way down to like um, all the basics and stuff. So that's yep, yep. pretty great. Yep, check all of our stuff on Bless You Boys, and we will talk to you all later. Ashley, have a good night. You too, man. Bye-bye.